Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. Why don't we give Jesus a round of applause? How about that? All right, that was actually pretty lame. Why don't we give Jesus a real round of applause? All right, before you sit down, say hello to two good-looking people around you. Ah, That was your chance. To two good-looking people around you. Well, welcome home if you're here today. Uh, it is an amazing, amazing uh, night to be in the house of God. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but we call this Formation Fridays. And I was talking to my friend today. Uh, he gave me a call. He's starting a church in L.A. And he said, you guys still have that Friday service? I said, no, we have Formation Fridays. And so, and so he said, what is that? I said, well, well, people are messing up their lives, you know, deforming their lives Friday nights. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Getting high, getting their heads, you know, big headache next day and, you know, getting drunk, puking all the brains out, stinking up their cars, their friends' cars, uh, acting cute, you know. uh, But while people are deforming their lives, we talk about most of the mistakes that I've made happen on Friday night. I don't know about you. Maybe Friday night for you were very lonely nights. Uh, At times it happened like that. You're looking at your phone, hoping... A kickback is happening, and I don't know if you guys use that word anymore, I'm pretty old, but kickback is just another word for a lame party that never got really going, that nobody really wanted to go to. It's like, well, I couldn't get enough people here, so he's going to call it a kickback. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, yeah, I know. It's true, you know. So Friday nights is the night where, you know, where, you know, a lot, a lot of unfaithfulness happens, if you guys know what I'm talking about. You know, who are you with? Uh, no one? Who's that back there? Hello? Who's that? What are you talking to? Right? Uh, a lot of nasty things happen Friday nights, man. A lot of moms cry tears of sadness, you know, of worrisome. Uh, a lot of, believe it or not, kids. I remember uh, there was a, a few people back in, you know, the other church at Nugent uh, that they were telling me that Friday nights their mom would leave them with a full fridge, like a bunch of clothes, a, f- a fridge, a bunch of food and drinks like sodas. And she'd be gone from Monday, from Friday to Monday. She'd just go to Vegas, bet the entire weekend, spend all that time betting. And he was, man, this kid was 12 years old when his mom started doing this. And he would leave him with his little sister, and he'd just, she'd just be gone. And then she'd come back later, and sometimes really angry because she lost everything. And sometimes, hey, I'm going to buy you guys something. You know, Friday night, it's a, it's a really dreadful night for so many people, but... We decided to change that, and that Friday nights is when God's going to form our character, according to his image. Amen? Cool. So uh, if you're here for the first time, I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome home. Uh, it is a place that you, I pray you can find uh, not just, oh, I like the service, because at the end of the day, it's not about you liking this service. Um, the service is not for you. It's for God. And so it's not about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about our God. And really becoming Christ-like, not just liking church. Oh, I like that song. No, 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 no. I want to become Christ-like, so I'm going to worship my God. Right? Because you become more like that which you worship. Right? You ever seen a kid worship dad? And they become more like their daddy. You ever seen a kid? I remember the other day I was, you know, I was looking at this, this kid. Um, you know, he loves soccer. Absolutely loves, loves soccer. And his favorite, favorite, uh, you know, player is some sucky, sorry player called Ronaldo. I'm just kidding. I like Barcelona because I, like so- I know soccer. Uh, just kidding. If you're, if you're a Real Madrid player, 
Uh, I'll pray for you. Anyway, so, so Ronaldo does this move. I'm not going to do it because it's lame. You know, but he does this jump around thing. I find I'll do it. So he jumps up and he goes like, and he lands like this. And I saw this kid doing it. I was like trying to do the move, you know. I was like, wow. You could tell he really like worship Ronaldo. You know, of course, this is a little kid really liking something. But the idea of worship is not to make God feel good. God doesn't need you to raise his self-esteem. If he needed you to raise his self-esteem, who wouldn't be God? Yeah. Amen? Right. Amen? Yeah. Worship is not just so that you could, you could make God feel good. It really, in reality, it's that you would become more yeah. like that which you worship. Isn't that amazing? And so we decided to do this, and uh, we've been doing a five-part series. This is right in the middle. The first of, the, of, of this series was what? You guys remember the, the five senses. So which sense did we cover first? Touch, sense. Which one of those two? Touch, right, right. And what did we talk about touch? It's the touch of God. That's pretty good. Who said that? Hey, good job, Areli. Of course you would. You probably have, yeah, you're good. You're awesome. All right, the touch of God. So this tells me I'm a horrible preacher because I don't remember what happened two weeks ago. No, three weeks ago. I don't even remember, actually. So anyway, so we talk about the touch of God and how just one touch of God is able to transform everything. And if you really allow, you know, when uh, you talk about this, this guy, he was uh, actually with leprosy. Uh, you know, when you allow God to touch your life, something amazing happens. But even more so, you touching the heart of God is even, even better. The week after that, someone else preached. And then the week after that, someone else preached, meaning Paige preached. Uh, and she is single, guys, by the way, just letting you know. She has a good job. And, you know, anyway, so uh, she loves the Lord. <clears throat> anyway, so the next thing is that, uh, what did we talk about last week, though? You guys remember? Good job, good job. All right, what about the ears? Dude, we didn't talk about the ears, dude. What are you talking about? What did we talk about? Somebody talked. Now you guys don't even know what we talked about. All right, let's see. All right, why don't you pick one of your, your people, Amber? Uh, Paige. <laughs> I said Amber. So, okay, Amber, there you go. So what did we talk about, Amber? All right, all right, good job, good job, good job, Paigey. All right, cool, cool, cool. Today we're going to talk about something that's actually super beautiful, super amazing. And I've been looking forward for this, uh, for this day since, man, at least a couple months. I've been getting a bunch of things together, uh, and I've been praying a lot about one thing, that God would help us become more people that are doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. Because I do believe wholeheartedly that when we hear the word of God, it should lead us to action. It shouldn't just lead us to more knowledge. A lot of people want to know God, but they don't really want to know God. They want to know about God. You know, and to know God, it should impact you. I don't know if you ever had a friend that you don't even know when it happened, but you started doing things like your friend. Like... They laugh a certain way and you start laughing that way. Or they say certain things and you say certain things. And you don't even realize it until somebody tells you, you're like, where'd you get that from? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> you, have you guys ever felt that before or no? Yeah? When you get close to God and you start getting to know God, something godly should be happening in your life. And if not, it means you're not getting close to him. You're just getting to know about him. And so what we want to do in this place is become doers of the word, not just what? Hearers of the word. And so... Um, I, 
I read one time about this, this, this woman who used to collect recipes. You guys know what recipes are, right? Like cooking recipes. Now you guys have Google. You don't need recipes, right? It's just, but this lady used to have little recipes, like little, little, like a folder full of recipes. And her uh, ex-fiance uh, asked her, you know, why, you know, what does this one taste like? Oh, I don't know. I've never done it. What about this one? Oh, I've never done it either. Man, you have so many here. What do any of them taste like? Oh, I don't know. I'm just a collector of recipes. I'm like, dude, that's so jacked up. But, in rea- but really, that's how a lot of believers are. They can tell you a bunch of verses. Oh, what does that one feel like? I don't live it out. I just know it. Oh, what about that one? I don't know. It's just a recipe. I mean, it's a good recipe. I remember that one time when they preached it this way. It, was a good, it sounds like a good recipe. Well, does it work? I don't know. I don't really practice it. And isn't it amazing how we are like that so much of our lives? I mean, we pretend like this is like algebra class. Just kidding. Uh, if you like mathematics, it's awesome. But most of our lives, most of our time, we hear really good word. I mean, if you are in this church, I know for a fact, either in life class, you know, in cell groups, you know, you're in services. Now, even if your preacher sucked really bad, you can still draw some good recipe out of it. Why? Because we're preaching out of the word of God. But my greatest fear, my greatest fear as a pastor, believe it or not, is not that you leave, but that you stay and not live out the word of God. Because that to me is the worst thing, that we become religious people that are all about rules and regulations and, and just really about, it's called legalism. That you could know so much here, but don't believe it here. And what that does, it makes you rigid. It makes you about the rules, the do's and the don'ts, and has nothing to do with pleasing God. And that's the last thing, last thing you want out of your Christianity. And so today what we want to do is say, God, help us test you. Help us taste you. Help us to prove and taste. I don't know, in Spanish there's a word, uh, probar. And the word probar could mean two things, to prove or to taste. Help us to taste you, God. Help us to prove that what you are is good. Amen? Close your eyes with me and we're going to pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for your love and for your grace. I thank you for this amazing night and this amazing people, God. Every one of us here, Lord, we're hungry for you. We desire to know you more. I ask you that you open up our hearts, open up our minds. Please, Lord, let this night be different. I ask you that if anyone came here on their own accord, desiring to be and know you more, God, desiring to be here with you and know you more, that you just pour yourself on them. And if someone's here, maybe just to help someone out or or to have someone else stop bugging them, I pray that you open up their hearts as well and they could hear directly from you. In your name we pray, amen and amen. One of the, the, the troubles with listening to the word of God is that... If you don't apply it, it then becomes one of two things, condemnation or something that you think has no power. So you begin to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, I tried that God thing before. It doesn't work. It's kind of like saying I've gone to the gym before. Yeah, doesn't work. Is that really the case? Some of you guys are like, yeah, I tried it too. It didn't work either. I can see right in your face, right? Hey, man, it's the same thing. Look, you cannot say you've actually given your life to God. And say it doesn't work. Because if you actually gave your life to Christ, if you actually walked with him, man, I'm telling you, right here, I have at least 100 witnesses that would tell you otherwise. It is amazing to know God. It is amazing to walk with God. One of the things that we want to share, I want to share with you today, is about tasting. And how, how an acquired taste. I was on my way here with Noah. Where Noah at? Yeah, what's up? Noah's my neighbor. He's from Georgia. Georgia. And so please say hello to him. Welcome home. Yeah, um, and anyway, so we're talking about acquired taste. I gave him this, this Mexican candy, 
And what did it taste like, Noah? A little bit of rum, a little, a little bit of everything, right? It's like this, this, it's like, are these gummy? I was like, no, it's like chocolate. It's like different, right? The Bible, for so many people, is this foreign taste. They've never really tried it. They heard of it, and they heard, oh, yeah, yeah. So they heard good opinion, bad opinion. But is this acquired taste, man? That when you actually get to know the word, you actually get to taste the word of God. Man, it is so beautiful. It is so enriching. It's beautiful. It's incredible. It actually is life transforming. More than those quesadillas from L.A., from the taco stand. You guys know what I'm talking about? It'll change your life. But the word of God will do even more than that. See, there's a Bible verse. It says in 1 Peter 2, 2 to 3. 1 Peter 2, 2 to 3. Like newborn, ba- like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. So that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. It says, I like a newborn baby, crave for the word of God. Crave for the word of God. Have you ever seen a newborn baby crave for milk? I have had two boys, and well, my wife had them. I just kind of watched them. You know, uh, and I mean, telling you, as soon as the kid is born, he's like, ah, 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 and they're like looking for milk. I'm like, seriously, they have this instinct to try, try to find milk. And it goes on like that through the night for the next three months, and you don't sleep at all. Because all the baby wants is poop, sleep, and milk. That's all they ever want, just milk. What if I said to you that if you were like, a, like that, like, like a child that actually desires, longs for, weeps for the word of God. Because see, we read that and say, oh yeah, like a baby. Crave milk like a baby. Crave the word of God like a baby. Have you seen a baby crave the word? Have you seen a baby crave milk? Amber, are you here? You have a baby and, you know, she's, she's craving milk. What happens when, <laughs> there she is. What happens when Violet craves milk? How does she let you know? Stab you, yes. Shoot you, uh-huh. Choke you. Fuzzing. <laughs> the aunt. Just try to put your shirt down. Jeez, Louise. Yeah, don't do that, guys. Never. And then what happens if you don't give her the milk? All right, let's take it to the next. I know you don't want to talk about, about Violet. I know, I know. But what happens if you don't give her the milk then? Act like you've never been. You've been, you've been there. But you can't at the moment. Let's ask Peter who doesn't feed her. Okay, Pete, what happens if you don't give the baby the milk? Cry more and more and more. It gets red, desperate. What happens when you don't read the word that day? Do you get desperate? Do you get hungry when you don't get word? Or you're like, eh, nothing happened. Isn't it amazing how little a believer, we say we're believers. We say we know God. We say we want God. One of the things you will absolutely know in this church is called a devotional life. And I absolutely love that because a devotional life is that one thing that sets you apart from a faithless person to a faith-filled person. The Bible says that faith comes through hearing and hearing the word of God. The problem is that we don't go to the Word of God. We go to everybody else, everything else. We go to Google. We go to, you know, Dr. Phil, if he's still around. Is he he still around on TV? Yeah. (laughs) Whoever has TV anymore with Netflix, right? Right? We go to every, every person. We go to, you know, for advice in relationships to the guy who just broke up with his girlfriend. You know, we go with everybody and their mom, but then not the Word of God. We must learn to desire, to crave the word of God. That one day that you don't, for some reason, haven't done your devotional, you haven't gotten to the word, that you start feeling like, 
pain, and you start feeling like, man, something's wrong, be honest with me. Does that happen in your life? And if it doesn't, don't pretend like it's normal. It is not normal for a believer, for a child of God, who is literally a born-again, think about this, a born-again Christian. Someone who actually was born in the Spirit. Because the Bible says, he who is born of the flesh is flesh, and he who is born of the Spirit, good job, is what? Is Spirit. And so if you're born of the Spirit, shouldn't you be craving spiritual food? If you're not, are you born again? Now, I'm not trying to say you're going to go to hell and you haven't been born again, but there's something wrong. If my baby's not eating for a whole week, I figure, man, there's something wrong with this kid. What is it about us that we think that we're born in the spirit and we don't need spiritual nourishment? What would happen to you? You see, we fast, and when we fast, we don't fast because we are trying to twist God's arm into submission. Here, listen to me, God. I'm throwing a spiritual tantrum. You better do what I say. No, we're reminding God. No, we're reminding us. We are reminding us that what we need most is God, not this earthly food. Now, remember one thing I must, I have to add it here. And that is that a lot, in, in Psalms 119 says, Psalms 119, 103, 104. Psalms 119 is the longest psalm in the Bible. I won't read it, just two verses. It says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain, it says honey, not honeys. I gain understanding from your, from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. I hate every wrong path. Can you say you are what you eat? You are what you eat. Have you guys ever heard that term before? You are what you eat? Yeah. You are what you eat. It says here that the word to him is, it tastes like sweeter than honey. Check this out. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate. It's a strong word. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Most of the dumb decisions you will make in your life, they won't be made based on the word of God. They usually will be made because you ignored what God had to say about it. Or you simply didn't even care to listen or ask or you didn't even believe that he had a matter or say in the matter. But to know the word of God is to gain understanding. And to gain understanding, it leads you to hate the wrong path. Without raising your hand, how many of you could say, man, I know I need to straighten out my path. The Bible says, how will a young man correct his ways? And that is by what? By keeping his word. How do you straighten out your path? Is it through psychologists, psychiatrists? Is it through a bunch of friends? Is it through a better job? Is it by doing... A lot of exercise. How do you straighten out your path? I mean, you could change behavior. It's called behavior modification. But can you straighten out your path? Spiritually speaking, soul paths. The only way is by going back to his word and say, God, what do you have to say about this part of my life? The decisions you have to make. Hey, listen, I don't want to lose you tonight. I mean that 100%. And by that, I mean this. That you can lose so much in your life by making one wrong decision. We're trying to teach people in the class, in life class, how to actually make the right decision. So I'm going to ask somebody from life class to stand up and tell me, how do you make right decisions? What are the three things you must have in order to make the right decision? What are those three things? Somebody from life class. Who? All right. Your leaders are calling you out here. Somebody, somebody. Three. Oh, Ali. Okay, go ahead, Ali. Why don't you stand up and, and uh, no, no, you got to stand. You got to stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool, cool. So, all right, so how, what, what are the three components to make, like, dead-on decisions? According to what? I believe it's God's ways and people around you that 
Nice. So God's word, God's character, and God's people. God's word. Ah, give a round of applause. How are you still single? Anyway, so God's what? God's word, God's character, and God's people. Most of the time, people don't go to God's word. They just make a decision based on whatever they feel, right? His character, it's like, what character? What is even character for many people? don't even know what God's character is like. And God's people are usually, they tell them just when they made the mistake and say, by the way, can you help me pray for this mistake I just made? Versus, hey, can you give me some advice according to what you know of God? And can you help me out according to your experience and what has God shown you in this? Does that make sense? His word, his character, and his people. You cannot lose your spiritual taste buds. Never lose your spiritual taste bud. If you are not hungry for the word, ask God to give you spiritual taste buds. Amen? Some of you guys, when I say buds, you're like, hey, what? Pastor's talking, what? Never lose your spiritual taste. Never lose your taste for spiritual matters. Amen? You have to ask God, God, please help me to, to have that taste for the divine. You know that I no longer... If I don't crave your word, it is not a normal thing. Please listen. If you don't crave the word of God, you're either not born of the spirit, number one, or number two, you're sick in the spirit. Please listen. If you don't crave the word of God, you're either not born of the spirit or you're sick in your spirit. It is not normal for a human being to not want to be fed. When my child doesn't eat for a week, I take him to the doctor. I do whatever it takes because I want my kid to eat. Amen? What happens when you are not eating? Spiritual, you get weak. And you begin, believe it or not, to try to satisfy yourself with lesser, less nourishing things. Man, I had a friend who all he would do was drugs. All he would do was drugs. I'm like, what does this guy live off of? Oh, yeah, when I get the munchies. I said, hold on a second. You mean to tell me all you eat is like chips and, and, you know, and peanuts and whatever else you get the munchies for. And that's what you survive off of. Yeah, and... And whatever else I consume. I'm thinking that's no way to live. That's a way to survive for a little bit. How's your spirit life? Well, you know, I eat, you know, whenever I go to cell group here and there, I get some here. And then I get some in the, in, in, when the pastor preaches. Dude, that is not enough. What if I made a covenant with you? We made a pact. That even, unless you read your Bible, you don't, you don't eat that day. Ah, pastor, you're extreme. That's crazy. That's not like a cult. I'm just saying. I'm not trying to force you to do it. But what if you set for your life standards as to say, I will not start spiritually. I'd rather start physically first before I start spiritually. Does that sound too radical for some people? You're like, Pastor, I brought a friend today for the first time. You're going to go and talk that crazy stuff. Sorry, no, you're here for the first time. But hey, <laughs> I brought no. But honestly, a lot of people, a lot of believers, they call themselves believers. But what are they believing? Believer of what? Believer of who? Believer of the word of God or believer of... The third opinion of someone who thinks, who says, who knows the word of God. See, the Bible is important to know because if you don't know what it says, the enemy will tell you what it says. If you don't know what the word of God says, Satan definitely will tell you what it says. Oh, well, isn't that what the Bible says about those people? Oh, that's not what it says. What are you talking about? You have to be hungry for his word. And the second thing you have to be hungry for is character. So you have to know the word of God, and then you have to hunger to know his character. The Bible says in Psalms 34, and this is where, honestly, this is my favorite part of the, of the sermon today. Psalms 34, 4 through 10. Are you guys ready? All right, cool, cool. By the way, your, your quantity of blessings are directly correlated to your hunger. 
However hungry you are, that's how much blessings you'll receive from God. That I promise you. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 34 verse 4, I sought the Lord, meaning I searched after him, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Woo, anybody here would love to receive that verse today. From all my fears. How many fears? All my fears. It's amazing. Those who look to him are radiant. Mm-mm-mm. Girls, better than any makeup you could ever find. Cool, cool. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encompasses around those who fear him and he delivers them. Check this out. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, your holy people, you holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. The Bible says, taste and see. Try it and prove it. Taste and see. Have you tasted the character of God lately? Have you tasted God lately? And I mean that in the full sense. Have you say, God, I want to taste you. God, I want to try you. I want to feel you. I want to understand you. I want you. Eoni and I have this thing. We go on dates. Uh, every week we go on a date. And we love this place called, let's see if one of my 12 knows me really well. What is our favorite place to eat in? Kiku Sushi, right? It's this place called Kiku, and it's in Monrovia. I hear advertising for this mom and pop shop. Man, it is awesome because we tried sushi in so many different places. And can I tell you, before it was sushi, for me it was fuchi. I did not, <laughs> so lame. I, I, did not like, I did not like sushi back in the day. My brother would always try to take me to these places. And I'm like, no, no, don't like it. No, I don't want to try it. And then something happened. I tried this tiny little hole in the wall, and all of a sudden I started liking sushi. Now it's become this spot for Eoni and I. If they close it down, I think we will just try to buy it and open it back. Because we really, really, really like this place. I can tell you this, that something we begin to crave. If we don't go, like, for two weeks, we're like, mm, do you feel that? I feel it too. You know? And, uh, and we just really want to go to Kiku. Uh, and Amor, are you here? Just kidding. Uh, when, when we go, it's like this experience. And look, the restaurant's not fancy. They, look, they don't even have our picture on the wall, even though we're their most faithful clients. You know, we're like hurt. Honestly, can I tell you, honestly, the waitress sucks so bad. But she's awesome to us because she sucks so bad. It's like we just laugh about it. She's mean. She's rude. She's like, you got to pay. And I was like, no, I, I, we, it's no, not yet. You know, no, you got to pay. And I was like. All right. Sorry, Jenny. You know, I, she forgets the order. One time we went with all the group. Do you guys remember that? My 12, right? And they, she started crying because she couldn't handle the order. So I was like, I got up. All right, come down, guys. Come down, Jenny. It's going to be okay. So I literally took the order down for her, gave it to Jenny. She's like, and she just walked away. And the service is bad. The place is small. The other day, they didn't even let us in. It was 9. They were supposed to close at 9.30 or something. We came at 8.15. They're like, no, we're closing early. What the heck? Did we drove all the way over here? But you know what? We were there next week because we're faithful to Kiku. You know what it is? It's this taste, then. <laughs> is it true or not, amor? We were hurt. We're like, dude, we are loyal to you, and you won't even let us eat because you decided to close early. But, uh, but, <laughs> but once, you know what it is? Once you have this taste for it, for something, you just want, you just want it, you know? I don't know if you are here today. 
and you are that hungry for the word of God. Like you say, man, I really want to receive. I'm hungry for that. You ever felt that? Like, I'm not hungry for that. I'm hungry for that. And I don't know of many churches that anyone can preach and people would receive. Most churches, you show up, and if it's not entertaining, they'll just fall asleep on you. I want to believe that this is the type of church that if an 80-year-old man stands right up here and just reads his notes to you for an hour, if it's out of the word of God, we'd be pumped about it. Make sense? I want to believe that if you are preaching your first sermon and you're up here and you're stuttering through it, sweating through it, that we, this congregation, can draw something great from it. Do you know why? Because we're hungry people. Give God a round of applause. Amen? When you're hungry, you eat not like the ungrateful pickiness that you get when you're full. You know what I'm talking about, man? Have you guys ever had oranges after a hike on top of the mountain? Like you're running, you're, you're going uphill, and an orange never tasted so good as when you eat it on top of a hot hill. You guys know what I'm talking about? You're like, mmm, mm, oranges. I took Elijah uh, hiking the other day, and, you know, it was actually pretty tough. I'm not going to lie. I was tired. I was like, carry me. You know, Elijah's got all this energy. He conquered the mountain like nothing, man. It was awesome. And I brought oranges. Man, those oranges, I was like, I would have traded my second child for them. They were so good. <laughs> Don't tell my second child. He can't understand it. But, Jose's he's awesome. You know, but I'm telling you, these oranges tasted so good. And some of you guys are like, yeah, because you're Mexican. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I, had to throw it in. I had to throw it in there. Sorry. You know, sorry, sorry, sorry. Hashtag not sorry. Okay, so man, I'm loving these oranges. I'm like, mmm, mmm, they're so good. I'm not playing. Well, I had a little Ziploc, and in this Ziploc, I had put like a bunch of them, and I didn't eat all of them. Something happened. I was on my way back home. By then, we had gotten food, and I tried to, I tasted the orange. I was like, what the heck? Like, these aren't, what? They're not Mexican worthy, you know? They're not like, they're not good oranges. Who picked these oranges, you know? And I was realizing that they're not that sweet. They're not that good, but you know what? My body was, I was like, I was overheating, you know, I'm, I'm not what I used to be, <sighs> you know, and I'm up there desiring, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, and an orange just like quenched my thirst, you know, it got, mm, mm, mm. Have you, have you have, have you been hungry for God to where you say, man, I just need a word from God? You go to cell group sitting there and your leader may share an awesome word that he's been praying for and you're like, I heard this story before. Oh, yeah, and the fish is going to throw them up in three days, blah, blah, blah. Isn't it weird? Isn't it weird how that happens that we think we're all right? We're starving. We just don't know it. We forget that we're starving because we're so busy in our lives. I would say stay thirsty, my friends. Okay. You, we need to stay hungry. Man, we really, really need to stay hungry. When you're not hungry, something happens. When a person is not hungry, when a person is not, is not hungry, it, we become, I don't want to just say you guys because it's happened to me before. When you're not hungry, even a banquet seems average and whatever. But when you're hungry, man, you're like, God, give me something. And even an orange is like a banquet. Have you lately have had the humility to receive the word? God could never give someone something if their hands are full of themselves. Have you been emptying yourself out and say, God, I need you. I'm done trying to do it my way. I love that the Bible said this. I put it in big, bold, purple letters. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. The lions grow weak and hungry. Lions know how to hunt. Lions are like the beast, the king of the jungle. And even the king of the jungle will go hungry. 
But it says those who seek the Lord will lack no good thing. If you have lacked something in your life, your answer is not a better job. Your answer, believe it or not, is a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or both, or whatever you think you need. The Bible says something so clear. Even lions grow hungry. They get tired. They cannot handle it. But those who seek the Lord will lack no good thing. I can tell you this today, and I mean that with all the love in my heart. If you have met my wife and I, you know this, that we want the best for you. And I don't mean that like, like a, a parent who wants to manipulate a child so just so she doesn't have to go to sleep late. You know, I'm trying to tell you this. I generally want the best for you. And I can tell you the best is him. Yeah. He's, he is. The, there is no better thing. I know that the enemy will try to sell you so many, so many cheap replacements. But he is good. The problem is that the enemy will tell you, and when I mean the enemy, you have three. Satan, the world, and your flesh will tell you, God is really not good. I'm waiting for better. I've actually met someone who says, oh, I'm not ready for God. I said, what? Excuse you? Why about to slap you on the face? You are not ready for God? God should be the one saying he's not ready for you. Who are you to say you're not ready for God? He is God. Like, I'm not ready for that. It's kind of like an inmate and someone comes and pays the ultimate price to get them out. Everything they have, they sell and they, they, they try to pay for their bail. Oh, I'm not ready to come out yet. What you talking about? Man, I just sold my house. Get out here. Do you know what I'm talking about or not? No, I'm not ready for God. You're not ready for God. The world around you is crushing you. And you think you're not ready for God. Now, I told you today's Formation Friday. So if you're here for the first time... Next week, you won't be the first time, so you're going to feel better. <laughs> but what I am telling you, man, it's so true. Can I, can I be real with you? Man, it is so true. If you're not ready now, when? How much more worse things need to happen for you to be ready for God? Every single person I visited at the hospital, I'm telling you, I visited many people in their deathbeds. I've gone to funerals, kids, adults, everything in between. I can tell you this, not one of them that has walked with the Lord has regretted not knowing Jesus. I mean, not, has regretted knowing Jesus. Yet I have met people that say, man, I wish I would have known this before. Maybe I wouldn't have lost my family. Maybe I wouldn't have ended up in this hospital. This one guy I will never forget, his eyes were completely yellow. And I don't mean like yellowish, like when they have like diabetes. I mean like yellow, like yellow, yellow, yellow. It looked like a scary movie. He was so bloated. His, he had cirrhosis. His liver, everything was just shot. He was bloated like he had started bruising all over his body. A young man, super young guy, drinking, just drinking, pounding all week, all day. I remember when I shared with him Psalms 23, he said, man, I wish I would have heard this sooner. And I'm thinking, I believe you heard it before, but you didn't listen. I didn't say that out loud because I didn't have the heart for it. But I know that his mom had prayed for him. I know his mom had said things. See, the problem is not that you're not starving. The problem is that you're not hungry. Hey, let me repeat that. The problem is not that you're not starving. You are starving. I'm starving for him. But the problem is that we don't think we're hungry. I'm all right. Thank you. I'm all right. I'm just waiting for, for the next best thing. I don't want you, God. You know what? It's a sad thing because he loves his kids. He loves his children. He loves you. He actually desires you. He's been patient with you. You're here and you're not dead. That's already a blessing. 
Some of you here should not be in the world anymore. Or you should be in prison. Or you should be somewhere else. And in his good mercy, he's decided to have you here. I wonder why. I love the fact that he runs faster than you and I. And he's catching up. And he's done it so well. The other day I was thinking. Just I Bear with me for a second. I'm not romantic. Like, oh my gosh. But my wife has these pretty flowers outside. Now, don't get me wrong. I, how do I say this? I think it's the age, or maybe the children thing. But like, anyway, I'm becoming more sensitive. Something's happening to me, you know? And so I saw these flowers, and I'm not kidding. I was like, those are nice. I started looking at the flowers, and something happened. It was weird. I even told Eoni, your flowers are really pretty. Remember that, amor? I know. <laughs> I even feel weird saying it. But uh, I feel like, oh, cheering up, what the heck? I'm on my period. <laughs> anyway, so, dude. <laughs> Like, I felt, I felt like God, listen, I felt like God had planted those flowers there for me. I know it sounds retarded. Some of you men are like, ah, I got to go to another church. But listen, I felt like God had planted these things, like, right there. For, I bought them, dude. Like, we brought them together from Home Depot. But they were there, and the flowers just like, eh. I'm not playing. I was like, God, you're so amazing. Like, you're so, such an artist. And I started, like, praising God. I was like, man, I felt like. It felt like he was flirting with me. And I was just like, it was so crazy, so weird. You know what? It, it was, I'm not playing. I'm, I'm serious right now. Look, have you noticed how God is loving you, how he's caring for you? You were invited here because somebody cared enough about you, loved you enough, and probably prayed you onto the chair that you're now. Have you heard God lately? Have you seen how he is wooing you, caring for you, protecting you? From something that could have been way worse, yet it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Maybe it was an accident. Man, maybe for some of you in here, the fact that you're sitting here, it tells you that God is madly in love with you, desperate for you. And it should be the other way around. I've seen that before. I had a friend, he was so ugly. Just ugly. And I don't mean that like, oh, pastor, you're mean. I mean, he knew, we knew, we all knew. But he had this really beautiful girlfriend, man. And we're like, what is wrong with that girl? Like, you know what I'm saying? You guys know what I'm talking about? You're like, something is wrong here. Frank, you know what I'm talking about. I'm just kidding. I'm, 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 playing. I'm playing, Frank. I'm playing. He's amazing. He loves him. No, no, I'm playing. I'm playing, Frank. I know he's got good self-esteem. That's why I tell him that. And he's a good-looking man. But this guy was just like, dude, you know what the weird thing about this one guy, my buddy back in, in high school, dude, he pretended like he was the good looking one of the relationship. We're like, this guy, she's like, I, I was thinking, dude, like you're insane, bro. Like she's like a nine and you're like a 2.4 at best, you know, from the light hitting you right. You have no idea. He's pretending like he or she's undeserving of him. And all of us around were like, bro, if you lose this chance. <laughs> she was cool. She was kind. Like she, she was awesome and pretty. And we're like, dude, have you had someone near you? Because I'm not going to say it's you that acts that way with God. They're like, yeah, I don't know if you can come with me tonight. I'm going to the boogie. Going to the palace, I don't think they'll let you people. You know, I don't, I don't think they'll let people like you, like that in God. So I'm going to leave you at home today. Today you and I have no relationship. Tomorrow I might visit you at your house. Don't come to my house. Because in my house, yeah, I got things I don't want you to know about. But we're like, 
seriously, dude, you're like a two point, God's like a ten and a half. And yet we're sitting here pretending like, I don't know if I want to taste them today. The problem is that we're not in front of an amazing Lord who is amazing to us, who died at the cross for you and I, literally gave his life for us, who did not, you and I did not deserve that. As, as amazing as you think you are, man, you do not deserve a Christ who had no sin, who was amazing, incredible, a healer. I'm telling you, the greatest human being that ever walked this earth gave his life for you, for someone like me. And yet we at times are not hungry for God. When you're least hungry, it's when you most need to get up your butt and say, man, I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to search after God. I don't know if I'm going to go to church today. Okay, bro. What are you going to do? I'm going to watch the America Chivas game. Because so you're telling me that you're 10 and a half and 2.4 who you are is going to stay there, kick it, pretend like you got something more important to do than search after God. And then ask him for something on Monday. And then again on Wednesday. See, what the problem is, is that when we're not hungry for God, we begin to crave other things. And we want God to satisfy our hunger that will quench us from him. Isn't that weird? How we try to satisfy ourselves with something lesser. In reality, that's the hunger for God. And you're expecting God to satisfy that which may draw you to him. Does that make sense? Some of you are struggling financially. And you think that the solution is another job. And so you get the next job and now you stop going to cell group. Formation Fridays, remember? This is truth night. And so instead of saying, God, I'm going to draw near to you so that unlike the lion, I will lack no good thing. No, no, no. I'm going to go search after my thing. And hopefully that satisfies me. And instead, there's the fountain. There's the source. But see, that doesn't come with age. It comes... Going to God doesn't depend on how old you are. I know young people that search after God as much more than older people. And I know some of you here in this place are searching after God so hard. And you feel like you're not, but you are. And you're thirsty for him. And you can't sleep. And you wake up and you pray. And you're doing your devotionals. And you're searching after him. I want to tell you amazing news today. The Bible says this, and it literally begins that verse. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. I sought the Lord. I sought the Lord. I sought the Lord. I looked for God. I looked for God. Have you looked for God? Have you been hungry for God? Hungry for his word? Hungry for his goodness? Have you tasted his character? His word and his character. His word and his character. The last time... I could tell you this, the last time that I searched God, and that was today, I found him. He spoke in such a clear, beautiful way. And I can tell you, I'm standing here today and I'm telling you about that because he is that good. It says, I have tasted and I have seen, I have proved that he's good. Raise your hand if you have proved that God is good. God is so good. And not good in my scale, good in God's scale, which is like beyond my wildest dreams. That even that which I don't understand, the Bible says that even those things are for good for those who love God and walk according to his promises, I, his purposes. Let me go one last point and then we take off to life transforming quesadillas. Taste, we talked about taste his word, taste for his word, taste for his character. And the last one is taste of his people, not for his people. Taste of his people. 
The taste of people, meaning, listen to this. The Bible says in Matthew 5.13, I don't know if we have it up on the screens, but you are the salt of the earth. I was thinking of you lick somebody's hand, but that'd be weird. Right? You are, my boy does that. Like when he's sweaty, it's so weird. He's two years old and he's like. <laughs> I'm like, there's easier ways to acquire sodium. But that's a good alternative. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot you are the salt of the earth if you lose your flavor as a child of God then who can give it back to you I remember man listen this is so wild to think to understand how precious how precious you are how important you are to your family to your friends to your surroundings that you do not lose your flavor what does it mean to have the flavor of a child of God what does it mean to have the flavor of God it doesn't mean that you walk around saying amen hallelujah and hit people with the bible when they say a bad word right it doesn't mean that like somebody's listening to like something you're like oh turn that off my virgin ears you know it's not it's not that it's saying I know I know how to leave in I know how to live in Egypt but I know how to keep Egypt out of my heart I know how to walk in this world as good as you do the difference is that there's a flavor that God has put in my life that I will not lose no matter who no matter what no matter where no matter how much this is my flavor like it or not this is who I am let me tell you a little something a little little side note here most of the time most of the time while you walk on this earth you will have opportunities to share the love of God with people the problem is this that we try to become so much like someone else so that they can like us, that we lose our likeness to Christ. And so instead of style flexing and just getting to know people, being kind, being loving, we try to lose ourselves into their world. And how could you pull somebody out of a pit you yourself have fallen into? You and I are salt of the earth. And the cool thing about that is this. The Bible says that if the salt loses its flavor, how in the world can you put it back in it? And I love that question because that question is not a hopeless question. The only way I know is by adding a bunch of good salt around it. Saying now we can taste it. Now we know what it's like. Now don't get me wrong. You can help it. Please listen. Back in the day, people used to value salt a lot more than we do. Listen. What is salt good for besides doing huevos? What is salt good for? Eggs, that is. Preservation, okay. Preservation is one thing. So what about preservation? What does it do? Preserve. Good job, good job. Keeps it good, right? Keeps it from what? From decay, right. Have any of you guys tried meat that has been preserved over like months in just salt? It is awesome. Have you guys, I, there's this meat called cecina in, in Mexico. And uh, you guys didn't know that, but that's how it's made. It's cured with salt. I didn't realize how important salt was because back in the day, they didn't have refrigerators. We have fridges now, so we're like, oh, pff, just throw in the fridge. It'll last a week longer. Back in the day, people used salt. That was their way of preserving that which was going to keep them alive for the winter. It was salt. Their salt was their survival. Without salt, without sodium, there'd be so many diseases. I don't know if you know, but salt helps you retain water. 
If you have no salt in your body, you will dehydrate. I don't know if you know this, but salt keeps a lot of diseases away. It is also a way that your body processes all this contaminants. It was really cool. As I was reading, that salt was the way they used to pay people. Did you know that? That salt in some places was much more important than gold. That's where we, got, we get the word salary. How many of you guys receive a salary? Sal, salary, that's salt. People used to be paid not with gold, not with dollars, but with salt, salt, salary. You know, people were so happy when they received salt. And so God is talking to a people that understood the meaning and the power of salt. You are a preserving agent on this earth. You keep things from going bad. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Because of you, your family could be preserved and not be destroyed. Because of your life, if you do live according to the word of God, then there's hope, there's salvation, there's peace. There's so many sorrows that can be helped. Some kid just got murdered right around us. I don't know if you guys saw all the stuff outside. Tony just texted me the flyer. Little kid, this, this guy, your age, around us, literally our neighbor, murdered. They're trying to find any clue that would lead to his killer. Literally tonight, the news were right outside. And you know what my text was back to Tony? Man, we really need to share God with this community. Because this is the salt and it's right in here. Does that make sense? We need to start shaking this salt shaker because we desperately need to be who God called us to be. And trust me, we won't win the world by being indoors. Please listen. Please. If you and I understand that the purpose of God is not to make you a better you. God didn't die so you stop cussing. God died to seek and to save that which was lost. And lost in what? In sin, in sorrow, in depression, in sadness, in loneliness. My God, my Lord, I'm telling you guys, he's still the greatest solution. My boy had a little, it wasn't that little, man. It was bad, like an infection in his little thumb. He's losing his nail now, but it started like nothing. It looked like nothing. And then it developed into this crazy looking infection. His thumb, thumb was huge. And so the doctor gave him this antibiotic. He started drinking it, and then he put a little, little pomade, you know, a little cream, and that wasn't enough. So you know what the doctor had to do? Check this out. He had to cut the side and like drain it and then he had to reach in between the nail and just scrape everything out. This is a two-year-old kid. Scrape everything out. Now that was really painful. I can, I can tell you that must have been so painful. Of course he got poked with anesthesia, but you guys know how painful that could be. But we as parents were able to see that and we're like, man, that sucked. I took Elijah hiking that day, so mom handled that business. But <laughs> Just like the circumcision, I ain't going to go there. Uh, I was just like miles away from that. Tip for parents, do that. Anyway, so uh, if, my, if my kid is going through this infection, I'll do whatever it takes to get him healed. You know, scrape him, poke him, give him medicine, whatever it takes. I, want, I don't want him to lose his thumb. Think about this. You are the hope of so many people around you. And I don't mean you, that which is in you, which is Christ. But most of the time, we don't want to cause any, oh, you know, I don't make him feel uncomfortable. I don't want to say anything. What if he thinks I'm religious? Oh, my gosh. Well, what if, what, what if you share God and the love of God, not your religion, just the love of Christ? What if by that they get to know Jesus? What if you act like who you are, salt of the earth, and not like sand, not like just dust of the world? You are the salt of the world. You preserve, you add value 
Man, you add value. You add taste. Because of you, things are different. I want you to stand up with me for just a second. I want to read to you this. There are a few who have come today and have never tasted that God is good. To you, good means that someone gives you something. But when you come to know God, it means that he took everything that you should have gotten because of your sin. I deserve nothing because of who I am. Yet God, in his grace, in his mercy, took it all for me. All the, cons all the consequence, all the shame, all the bitterness, all the sadness, all the sorrow. I was working, working outside my garage a couple days ago. I was grinding some, I wasn't grinding. I was like grinding. <laughs> I had to throw it out there. I was grinding this, this piece of metal with this grinder. And um, it was really cool because, you know, I was, and sparks were flying everywhere. I was feeling really like, what's his name? The home improvement guy? Tim. Yeah. You know, I was like just doing that stuff. And you know, as I was, I was out there, I was like, it was so incredible. It sounds, sounds strange to some of you guys. But everything that you do in life. Right as I was doing that, I was really feeling the presence of God. I wasn't alone. I didn't feel like, oh my God, it's a lot. I hate this. Like, thank you, God, for being with me. Thank you because this familiar feeling of not ever being alone is ever present. Like, it's always there. That no matter where I go, no matter what I do, it could be grinding or preaching. And that the Lord is with you. God is with you. If you have never tasted that goodness, if you've never tasted the goodness of forgiveness to where you feel like you owe nothing to anyone, I'm telling you it's a wonderful thing. It's like when you pay a credit card off. I don't know if you guys have ever done that. You're like, oh, that's my dream. Paying a credit card off feels like, mm, I'm a baller. You know, like, what else? What else comes? What, what? You know, when you're with God, when you actually have gotten God's forgiveness, if you've gone to an encounter and you felt that 10 tons lifted off your shoulder, you feel like you're walking on a cloud. You're like, man, that is tasting God's goodness. When you actually felt the Spirit of God come upon you. And I don't mean like some of you think. I mean like the Spirit of, the real Spirit of God come in your life, over your life, on your physical body. And you just know it's the Lord. Have you tasted God? Have you tasted, tasted God's peace? That even though there's a storm, that everything around you is chaotic. Your job, your school, your family, yet you are like that bird in a nest below a cascade in the midst of a storm. It's, it's there, you know it's there, but you know where you're sitting. You know where you are. You're trusted, nestled in the Lord. Have you tasted God's goodness? Have you been in need and yet know that He's a provider? That is tasting God's goodness. Have you tasted God's goodness? And I mean that. If you have not tasted, I'm going to ask you guys today to just say, God, make me hungry for you. I want to taste you. I want to see that you are good. I want to know you more today. Close your eyes, please, for a second. I didn't understand this. Yet when I understood it, I believe it's a great reason why I'm a pastor today. Because I understood that he who is fit to eat is simply the hungry. Not the good, not the wealthy. I would say not only the good, not only the wealthy. But who's hungry? 
There's no re prerequisite. I remember my grandma was part of this church that you had to do all these things. Otherwise, you felt like you were never forgiven. Yet my God is so amazing. You're hungry. It says Isaiah 55, 6-7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord. And he will have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Right there where you are with your eyes closed. If you want to taste today a better way, the Lord. If you want to say to God, God, I want to acquire the taste for your word. God, I want to know your character. And Lord, I want to be part of your people. Maybe you're here today and you lost the taste for the word. You haven't done your devotionals. Maybe you've been doing them just repetitively. And you forgot to how to savor the word of God. Or perhaps you stop really realizing and understanding that God is good and you've grown fearful. I can tell you this. I don't have a fear in my life now. Nothing. Sounds strange and believe me or not. Draw near, you'll see it. There's no fear of the future, no fear of the present, and no fear of the past. Let me tell you why. Because God is good. And God loves me. And He's on your side. God is good. God is good. And if the enemy tries to tell you otherwise, I learned uh, something a long time ago that a person with an experience will never be at the mercy of someone with an argument. The enemy can tell you arguments. People can tell you things. The world could say things. Yet you have tasted God's goodness. You have experienced the goodness of God. So today, if you have not given Christ your life, if you have not been born again, maybe you don't crave because you have no spiritual life. If today you say, God, I want to begin a journey with you. I want to be hungry for you, God. I want to know you. I want to savor you, God. I want to sit at the banquet table with you. If you're here today, I don't care if you grew up in church or you built a church with your own hands. You could say to God today, I want you more than ever. God, I am hungry for you, God. I want to, I want to grow taste buds for you, God. I want to be hungry for your word. I don't want to be ungrateful. I want you. I need you. Would you begin to pray? And if you want to give Jesus your life, you actually want to give Christ your heart, your life. I want to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. Everyone has their eyes closed. Yet if you say, God, I want you as my Lord and I want you as my Savior. I want you, God, to please, please come into my life. Transform me. Change me. Make me that person that you created me to be. As the music increases a little bit, you yourself, if you're here today, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you want to give your life to Christ. Papa, speak, please. Holy Spirit, move. God bless you. I see you on the left. Is there someone else? God bless you back there. Good stuff. God bless you, girl. You're amazing. Is there someone else? God bless you up here as well. God bless you there. God bless you right there. Giving God your life doesn't mean I'm going to switch religions. Giving God your life means you give him what he paid for at the cross. It's not a church that makes you good. Jesus is there someone else that says I want to give Jesus my life God bless you I see you God bless you someone else God bless you guys and you're courageous you're brave don't let anyone stop you from humbling yourself before the sight of God God bless you back there God says humble yourself before the sight of God and he will lift you up Would you pray a prayer with me right where you are with your hands up and just tell him, Jesus Christ, 
this night. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I ask you to change me. Change me, God. Make me the person that you created me to be. I want to be hungry for you. Tell them, Jesus, Jesus, I realize that I need you. I need you today more than ever in my life. Thank you for dying at the cross, for paying for my sins. I give you now my life and I want yours. Give me your life, God. I want your life in me. Jesus Christ, thank you for dying for me and for resurrecting. I believe, I believe that you're my God, my Savior. I want to walk with you for the rest of my life. Now let me pray for you guys. Dear God, I pray that anyone here who has accepted you as Lord and Savior, that they now, as it said in your word, begin to mature in their salvation. That they begin to grow in their salvation. Lord, that they would not remain dwarf believers, but God, that they would grab onto your word for dear life. That they would get hungry for it, God. That nothing and no one can, dis can make them stop chasing after you. God, may we fall deeper, more intimately and madly in love with you. We want you, God. We want you, God. We want you, Lord. Thank you for being kind and patient. Thank you, God. Thank you. We want to taste your goodness. I pray now one last thing over this amazing kids of yours, God. And I pray that just as we, my family, has experienced peace in our home, just as in our family, God, we have experienced not perfection, yet your joy, your abundance in our home. God, I pray now that prayer over every home in, represented in this place, that the salt of the earth will go back to their homes and that they would begin to show what the difference is on someone who knows Christ and someone who doesn't. God, help us to mature in our faith. Help us to influence our society, God, that wherever we work, wherever we go to school, God, that your love, your grace, and your forgiveness would be in that place. Your hope would be alive. That, God, we would never, for no reason, lose the flavor of Jesus. It is in your name that we pray. Amen, amen. Give God a round of applause. Come on. Amen. My goal was to finish right at 9.15. And it's 9.15. It's amazing. But I'm me. So I'm going to give you one more minute. So listen. Here's the crazy thing about this. Before you leave, I need you to grab something. If this sermon doesn't transfer to Monday or Tuesday, you have acquired now a good dose of judgment. Let me tell you why. Because when, when you don't actually practice the word of God, everything you've heard, one day God will say, what did you do with what I gave you? And that is freaky. You know why? Because God has trusted you. He's cared about you. Please drive towards the Lord. Get hungry for God. I know what it means to be obsessed over something. When I started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I would every day practice Jiu-Jitsu. I would watch YouTube. Guess what I would watch on YouTube? Besides people getting hit in the nuts with bats and with like ball and like the funny videos. Those are funny. But Jiu-Jitsu videos, man. All the time. Jiu-Jitsu, Jiu-Jitsu. You know what? I bought, we got mats at, my, at my, my office and we'd just be rolling all the time. Hey, Dave, what are you doing today? Hey, I don't know. What are you? Let's go. Let's roll. Everywhere I went, I would think Jiu-Jitsu. I'd be watching MMA all the time. I subscribe to MMA Junkie. You know, like all these things. You know why? I really wanted to learn. I wanted something. I liked it. I cared about it. Then I got married and that became pff, whatever. But I'm going to tell you guys, I know 
what it means to truly desire something, like I now desire my wife. Would you just say, hey, God, help me to desire you more every day, to not let this be a church thing or a religious thing. Let me be about your word. Amen? So in order to do that, you need two things. One is decision, character, right? The second thing is you need accountability. The great thing about this ministry is that there are people by you, next to you, that have been walking with God, and they have accountability. We have a leadership. When you hear about leadership in this church, it doesn't mean the, here's my leader, take me to your leader, like he's going to give you orders. No, it's the person that loves you, cares for you, prays for you, believe it or not, listens to you in odd hours of the night that, man, they want to sleep, but they want to also listen to you. They pray, they cry with you, they, they laugh with you, they invest into you. That is what leadership is, it's called servant leadership. And in order for you to grow, you need accountability. So that what? So that you could also go and bless other people the same way. It's not just so you can have someone with you. So you could also be that someone for someone that needs someone like you. Amen? So I just encourage you guys to grow, get connected, get discipled, and go disciple someone else. God bless you guys very much. We'll see you guys later. Bye.